Hello and welcome to the True Blue LA podcast. Eric Steven, Jacob Birch. The during the last se- series, uh, regular season series versus the Dodgers uh, and Padres, Oral and Joe kept talking about how like this is the most like regardless of how it ends up, they're likely to meet in the NLDS. And I just remember thinking that one way or the other, that was jinxing it. Something silly was going to happen. Not um, not even that silly. Losing a three game series would happen uh and i was wrong here we are yep well it's what uh we sort of expected but you're right like uh it almost did not happen like you know like in, <laughs> i have a text it, from you that says bring on the cardinals <laughs> I, I don't know if i worded it that way i probably did but we'll see no uh i'm bringing uh, it up. go ahead uh, any, anyway yeah so it's uh yeah it's dodgers padres just like we all expected the the one versus the four, but also the, the really the two best teams in the National League. If if San Diego is fully healthy, I don't want to shortchange Atlanta uh, because they're they're probably the second best. If if uh, we'll talk about why, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fun series, and both teams are already in Arlington, and they're all they're both staying at the same hotel. I believe all four division series sites: uh, Texas or Arlington, excuse me, Houston, uh, San Diego, and LA. In all four cities, both teams are staying at the ho- the hotel, the same hotel, and like MLB like has the entire hotel. And if I read a couple of the reports right, that uh, the staff at the hotel had all quarantined. So like, it like that's that's a good way to do it. Like that was always the concern, right? Like when you're dealing with this kind of thing, you're still dealing with like workers um, uh, who aren't like bubbled, you know, but in this case, it sounds like they are and hope and ideally, hopefully compensated well for it, because that's a, a huge ask for many people to be like, uh, but yeah, that, that's where it is. So it, it's bubbled up. Uh, it will not, it's sort of a bubble, you know, whatever, but uh, that's, that's where we're at. So the Dodgers are playing in Texas um, and they, they're going to play there for a long time uh, as long as they keep winning. So we'll see how it goes. We're going to be talking, previewing that series. We have a Dodgers Rewind. I think we, do we have questions from Greg? We do. We do. It's going to be a long episode, so we're going to take our break now and get right into it after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Bring on the Cardinals, I guess. That was the exact tweet or but, me, text message from you. But do you remember what I was replying to? I don't have it in front of me, but it seemed like because I literally uh, you were replying to nothing. Oh, okay. You know what it was? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because it was uh, you thought you game, forgot game that Cal two. Quantrill not on the Padres anymore, and he w- went to Stanford. So you were you were expecting. No, uh, so the the Cardinals won game one uh-huh. against the Padres, and then game two they were up four nothing, yes, and and, and st- I believe when I, it was four nothing because they were also up six two a little later, and then like all hell broke loose in that series, like it was just like wild as hell. Um, yeah, so that I, I believe that's that's probably what it was. Uh, yeah, so we're all wrong at times, mostly me. Um, but yeah, good times. Um, so yeah, where do you want to start? So let's let's just, talk about yeah. Let, let's let's get why the Dodgers are here or, or in this NLDS uh, it, because they dispatched the Brewers in two games. Uh, the big takeaway from me was holy crap, Clayton Kershaw! <laughs> like wow, like that was a great start, right? Like there's always been like I don't know. Well, look, ESPN. They their broadcast. I get their. I guess they they have to like tailor it to like. Uh, I guess they're trying to get more more people to watch. Necessarily not diehard baseball, but they were like the the they kind of hammered the you know Kershaw's not very good in the playoffs like thing, which is true. Like they handled it like decently, but it seemed like that was the. The backdrop of like getting, every inning, almost really, every inning. And uh, a friend of the show, John Weisman, really hammers this home. I'm, I'm getting yeah. so sick of it either being Clayton Kershaw is a playoff choker, or this yeah. is the thing that will finally reverse the narrative. When the narrative, when the the truth of the matter is, he's a very good pitcher who most more often than not pitches very very well, but sometimes he doesn't. Right. The thing with me, like I, I sort of see it like both ways. Is that I think it's it's also you don't there's it's not very productive to like overly defend him in a way because his you know even if you take out like some of his very worst starts his his postseason numbers are still far below like his his actual regular season numbers so i so there there's there it's not like there's no reason he gets criticized but also like a a start in the wild card game doesn't reverse everything and none of this like even if he pitches just average the rest of the way and the dodgers win That'll like sort of do it, right? That that that's what erases it, and like nothing else. So like it's just going to be there. It's it's always going to be there until they win uh, a championship. So like um, I think I, I sort of have, have come to peace with that. But it it was just interesting the way like ESPN was like framing it. It, it seemed like they brought it up a lot, but like I, I sort of get it. They they actually weren't like it wasn't 
overly done in a way they they brought it up often but it was they weren't like badgering with it i i don't think they were sort of explaining it like uh there were three people is carl ravich um uh tim kirkchen and eduardo perez they did a like a good job at least on that part of it like they had some other points in the series where you're just wondering like what are they watching like the eduardo perez at one point said man um Walker Bueller showing emotion on the mound. You rarely see that from him. It's like, you've never seen him pitch, have you? Like that, that was very weird. Uh, there was a few, there's always a few moments like that where that's sort of the curse of a national broadcast where it's impossible to like keep track of every team, but like you, you, you also shouldn't uh, speak with authority when that's not there. <laughs> like, so because you make that, that's like a bad mistake. But um, yeah, anyway, back to Kershaw. He was wonderful. Um, eight scoreless innings against the Brewers, 13 strikeouts. Um, only two Dodgers um, have had more in a postseason start. Sandy Koufax and Carl Erskine, as Carl Ravitz talked to him, but it's, it's Carl Erskine. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but the, the most important thing to me, like we've talked a lot about Kershaw's fastball velocity this year, how it's gone up. It was like a mile and a half faster than last year, which is a huge jump at, at age 32. But his slider is like much sharper now, and like there's there's different like layers to it. Some some breaks a little more um, than others, but like it's just super sharp now. He got twenty swinging strikes with the slider. Like, for, I think to put this in perspective, I believe he hasn't had a start with twenty total swinging strikes since like two thousand seventeen. He got it all just with the slider on on uh, when or Thursday, I guess. And then uh, 24 swinging strikes total. I, I that's either the, his best since like 2016 or 17. So it was just awesome. And then he looked at it, like he had a bad start, like his last outing of the year. And he talked about like he's less stubborn now. Uh, he changed up his routine a little bit uh, in in between uh, that. So like he's the most like um, regimented, like um, stick to a routine, like player on the team and possibly in baseball like the last decade or so but like the fact that he's like open to like you know doing other things like that's that's a good thing i think and like it, it showed but i just was looking at this so he's made 11 starts this year counting the regular season his era is 190 um 75 strikeouts and eight walks so like it's awesome like it's been really really good and like there's like a you know look it is only 11 starts but man you you think about like how, how much could he really improve and like, but it's, he's like pitching very, very well. And like, that's, that's something that uh, I don't know if I would have expected at least at this level again, but like uh, that's been a very, very pleasant surprise this year. I, I sort of was expecting this at some point Uh, to be honest, I was kind of expecting it a little bit more last year with just with how hard he's working, how often he, it hasn't done this in a bit, but I remembered a few seasons ago was really reverential to Greg Maddox, sort of the master of of getting by without when your stuff either is lower or different. So I, I had hopes, and this is just uh, really, really cool to see. It'd be really, wouldn't it be great to see this for two or three more seasons at least of at kind of at this elevated. Uh, not quite super Superman level, but still one of the best pitchers in baseball level. That would be so great. Yeah, and like uh, the the fun thing about this year, I think, or this team, I think, is that the team is sort of built that um, 
like yes they have stars a lot of stars actually but like they're not so reliant on them that if they the stars like fail it's an it's a it's a kill shot you know like like Cody Bellinger was just barely like above average this year a little better than that probably Max Muncy didn't do much at all he was really really good the last two years um but it didn't hurt like the offense and like I think the same like if Kershaw's just pretty good like that might be enough and he's been way better than that so like that's that's a good sign all right, so what else happened in the series? What were your big take takeaways against the Brewers series? So, like, it was only two games, so it's hard right. to, like, so, <laughs> but, like, but Mookie Betts was, like, clearly impactful. Um, he doubled in his first two at-bats in game one. Um, he had a two-run double to break open game two. Uh, Corey Seager uh, in, in game one, he, the Dodgers early on in that game, um, like, you knew Milwaukee was, like, kind of screwed because they were going bullpen game in game one. And if it went to game three, they were going to have to do bullpen game again. And like one of their best relievers and like a guy who had like started four times, I believe. And he pitched three innings, three times, four innings. Once he allowed, like, I think two total runs and in those starts and like he came out and he, he could not throw a strike and he walked like five guys in less than two innings and he was done. And like, so the Dodgers scored early in that game and they like that, you know, help them a lot. Um, Corey Seager walked one of those times, and then he also homered late to add some insurance. Um, that was his 16th home run, counting the regular season. So right now the team total is Mookie Bet 16, Corey Seager 16, AJ Pollock 16. So the race continues. Um, but also Austin Barnes, personal catcher, um, he drove home the first run of game two. He had two hits on the night. Um, so like that, that's also a positive sign, like they're just getting production. Uh, yeah, so it was really, really good. Also that like just the Dodgers pitching in general, not just Kershaw, um, Bueller, uh, Walker Bueller started game one. They have to like, the blister didn't like break, but they're like managing it very, very carefully right now. Um, so he only pitched four innings. He gave up two runs. It was a, um, a double and then a two out home run to Orlando Arcia, who like somehow keeps like killing the Dodgers in the playoffs. <laughs> it's weird, <laughs> but um, he only threw 73 pitches, but I, they're like at a management level with him now. Also this series was only three games. So they had the luxury of like using one of the, the three other starters, you know, in a, in a, like a, a bulk role. And they basically just followed up Bueller with three scoreless innings from, um, Julio Urias, and um, it was really good. Um, like Bueller struck out eight in his four innings; he was awesome. But like, I think I think they're just being very careful. It's in, it's going to be interesting to see how they. Uh, he's starting game one against the Padres. Um, they're going to keep managing it, but then you really can't use one of the starters in a long roll. You could theoretically use the game like four or five starter um, in like a one inning roll. I guess maybe two if you stretch, um, but we'll see how they sort of manage that. But like he struck out eight, um, Urias struck out five. They both like they each struck out two in every inning in the first six innings, and then uh, Urias only struck out one in the seventh. So obviously they had to take him out at that point because he just wasn't up to snuff. But no, um, uh, the Dodgers batter struck out uh, twenty-eight of sixty-eight. Uh, excuse me, Dodgers pitchers. Uh, struck out 28 of 68 Brewers batters. That's 41%. Uh, 
the Milwaukee had the worst strikeout rate in the league uh, during the regular season. It was 26 and a half percent. The Padres had the fourth best K rate, 21 and a half. The Dodgers were even better than that. So it's going to be a, a, a bit more of a challenge for, for the pitchers in this round. But like that, those are sort of the takeaways from uh, the wild card series. So that's the wild called card series, best record in baseball. You got to play wild card series. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now it's the NLDS. It still feels super weird to me. So really, the start of the playoffs um, I, I've, is how I've seen a lot of uh, players and managers put it, especially players and managers of some of the better franchises that have been there for a while. Yeah. Um, so it's a five game series. It, it, again, in this, it, I'm just still getting used to the, like. It feels like I've been in playoff mode now for a week. We've done a playoff preview and now recap episode, but now it feels like we're starting at the beginning. Also, because they had um, two planned days off if the series had gone the distance. So, like, the Dodgers will have uh, will have had four days off in between game two against the Brewers and game one against the Padres. Um, so, like... Yeah, it's weird. There's like a lot of downtime. And like, so that allows you to sort of build it up a little bit. Now, once we get into this, um, there, it's pretty, it's, it's normal ish in terms of between series, though there's no off days within series. So, like, once the NLDS ends, if it goes to full five, there's only one day off. Um, between that and the NLCS. So, like, it gets a little bit more normal that way, but it's still, um, it's going to be interesting to see see how this plays out. But for, for the NLDS, um, so all year, like Joe Davis was calling home games for the Dodgers at home. And for his Fox games, he was calling from a studio. He is uh, in Arlington. Um, he's going to call uh, the, the Dodgers Padre Series for the games are on FS1. And it's going to be Joe Davis and John Smoltz. So a lot of half the people are going to be really, or all the people are going to be half excited about that. No, I don't know. Um, and then game three is an MLB network game. MLB network usually gets like two or three division series games. They have one in this series, one in the Braves Marlins series, but in that game three, it's Matt Beskersian and John Smoltz. So no Joe Davis, now, but he's going to be there. So is Smoltz. So uh, it's a little bit different than we've been seeing. Um, for national stuff. Um, so the Padres, you know, much better offense than the Brewers. Um, third in the majors in run scoring behind the Dodgers and Braves. Fourth in home runs. The Dodgers were first in both. Um, so, and it was their offense that kind of rescued them. So they were without um, Nelson Lamette and Mike Clevenger. Uh, elbow for, for Clevenger, uh, biceps. Uh, something or bicep soreness, I think, for Lamette. Uh, they're like they're still up in the air for the NLDS. We'll see, but like they did not pitch at all. They were off the roster in the wild card series, and the Padres lost the first game. Like I said, they were down six two in the sixth inning of game two, so they were staring elimination in the face. And then uh, Fernando Tatis and Will Myers each hit two home runs that game. It was an eleven to nine game. And then in game three, uh, because they didn't really have any other starters, and plus the the starters they used, Chris Paddock and um, Zach Davies, only lasted, I think, four and two-thirds innings, or maybe it was four and a third uh, in the two games. So, like, their bullpen, they used nine relievers in game three, 
and they shut out the Cardinals. So like it was really good, but um, the next, the rest will help them. They had three days. They're going to have three days off between their game and game one against the Dodgers. So I think their pitchers are going to be rested, but that's sort of what they're going to have to do if, if, if they don't have both of Lamette and Clevenger. If they do have those, it's a, it's a much like closer matchup, I think. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. They used it was twenty four relief twenty four relief appearances to cover twenty two and a third innings in three days. So now it's five days. It's going to be different. Um, you know, obviously the Dodgers uh, will have Gonsolin, May, and Urias for three, four, five. They don't know the they haven't said the order yet. Now, Robert said any of those three will probably be available in game one or two as a possible relief if needed. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, Kershaw sort of made it the other day that they didn't have to use anyone else because he went eight. Um, so now the Padres, where the Padres advantage might come in is in the back end of the bullpen because things are weird there <laughs> right now. Um, so, and it's weird in a way because like, like Kenley Jansen had a, on a base level, right? Obviously there's more to it. He, he came in, he walked the guy with a two-run lead and then and didn't allow a run and recorded the save and oh my god a a former mvp that sounds great right (laughs) and and it it was like oh okay cool but then like (laughs) you saw it but in the backdrop of that like Uh um the dodgers had bruised our grid roll warming up uh, in that game because uh kenley jansen's first cutter i don't remember if it was his actual first pitch or not but it was 86 and they're like what the hell is that right (laughs) and so uh oh, you know that that's that's what's going on, and like he was just kind of all over the place a little bit. He only threw eight cutters out of sixteen pitches, which, you know, uh, that's a that's like a thing for a normal pitcher to do. But Kenley like throws his, I think he's around two thirds this year, maybe a little less, but in, in his career it's like you know seventy to eighty percent or more uh, that he throws the cutters. So like, um, so after game one, like it was it was weird how this sort of played out, like, um. After game one, Roberts was like, yeah, his pitches just didn't have any teeth to him, you know, but obviously he's still our closer, blah, blah, blah. Then before game two, he's like, look, I saw the video. The the pitches looked a lot better than I thought. He had more movement to it because, you know, we're speaking to Roberts like after the game. He's viewing a lot of this stuff from the side, from the dugout. He hasn't had a chance to fully review stuff. So you're going to get like more uh, raw reaction, I think, in that case. But he was sort of sticking up for Jansen before game two. Same thing, still our closer, blah, blah, blah. And then with Jansen available in game two in a 3 nothing lead in the ninth, uh, they went with Bruzdar Greaterall. And um, now Greaterall, uh, same thing, like uh, he allowed, I believe, a hit and uh, got out of it. But he actually hung a few sliders that were that was kind of lucky that weren't like tattooed. But he, he was fine. Um, and, you know, that's I think that's just how it's going to be sometimes. So now... I will say this after game two, Roberts did the thing where he's like, look, Jansen's our closer, but he was also sort of covering for him in a way. And then he, he Roberts quote on Sunday, uh, we're recording this Sunday night. Roberts spoke to the media a few hours ago. Um, he said he spun it in a way that was one of the more like creative spins I've ever heard. Um, where he basically said, Kenley's our closer. Um, but it's also an open, um, open position right now. So, um, like I said the other day, 
Um, he's our closer, but there's still opportunities. And I talked to Kenley yesterday just to kind of be on the same page that there's still going to be times that I might need him in a different inning. And he's on board with whatever to help us win baseball games. And uh, it's a title, but I think that in practice, there are certain innings and certain parts of the lineup that I think he's the best option. So um, we'll, we'll kind of uh, proceed that way. Assuming for no reason, just because it increases our sample size, it's a five. The Dodgers get three wins in this series, and they are all save opportunities. How many do you think Kenley's going to get? Of opportunities, uh, like one. Okay, interesting. Man, this will be fun. Uh, but like, yeah, it's so weird. Like, I, yeah. So we we've reached this sort of like utopia that like like should be good like it um but it's also like it you have to sort of delicately handle it i think if you're roberts because everyone on the team is like look we're fine with whatever role but kenley's our closer you know like uh <laughs> and you sort of have to like play it that way but like i the way roberts is talking about it that kenley's open to whatever so and he, he's probably gonna be fine like just not you know it's not like it, sure his i'm sure his ego is hurt by if, if he's not closing all the games but like also tangibly um they were working on his mechanics he's had issues like this before uh i believe before game two he was working on it also uh, i believe the last two days in arlington uh i think one of the days mlb networks like ballpark cam like showed jansen in the bullpen like working on stuff and it's usually like um, sort of tightening up his front side, making sure like everything is working in order. Because you, even if Jansen's not the closer, he still has to pitch better. <laughs> like when he comes in and can't be coming in throwing in like eighty six to eighty eight. Uh, so like that's a thing. Like he just has to pitch better when he pitches, and whether it's the seventh, eighth, or ninth or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, they do have a lot of options. Like you know, you know, decent, but there it's all all of them. We've talked about this so much. Like how they're all they all have flaws in some way but like so does every bullpen so it's just a matter of like you just hope um the other um you know the offense plus the starting pitching will like help build enough cushions to like withstand any sort of bumps they might have in in sort of navigating this uh but that that'll be definitely like the, the thing to sort of watch obviously in the in this round all right. Anything else? Or are you going to abuse me with trivia questions? I am going to abuse you. So back to back to Clayton Kershaw for a second. So um, in uh, his game two win, uh, he tied uh, for the second best Dodgers post game or postseason game score with 88 uh, against the Brewers. Um, there's only one Dodgers pitcher ahead of him. Can you name him? I will try my very best after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The highest game score in a playoff game for the Dodgers. This is yeah. LA and Brooklyn. Yes. And now it, it's a thing where, you know, game score is not the end all be all. It's a, it's a fun little sure. stat from Bill James and stuff. But it does, it, like, if you have a really high game score, it's, it was an awesome start, right? Uh, but so I, I, I can give you a hint by telling you uh, Kershaw is tied with two different games. Um, I can tell you what those games are if you want. Uh, sure. Okay, so Kershaw's 88, uh, eight innings, um, 13 strikeouts, no runs, uh, is tied with Sandy Kovacs' final two starts of the 1965 World Series. Uh, Both were shutouts. Both had 10 strikeouts. Um, Game five uh, was four hits and a walk. Game seven on two days rest, (laughs) LOL, was three hits and three walks. So both of those had 88 game scores. So Kershaw matched it even without going nine. That's how good his start was. And um, the other, uh, when I'm looking at this, everyone that's up, there's 10 above 80, 10 game scores above 80 in Dodgers postseason history. Uh, the only two that didn't go nine were Kershaw. Uh, the other one for Kershaw was an 81 uh, two years ago in game two of the NLDS against the Braves. He also went eight. He only struck out three in that one, so that's why the number isn't as high. But, yeah, so there's one person ahead of him, and I, I will just – I'll give you this hint. Also, it's an 89. Uh, oh, just so so one, one above it. Yes. All right. Uh, my first guess was – uh, Hyunjin Ryu. No, sorry, sorry. That's later down on my guest list, uh, and you yeah. out, you ruled it out. Uh, Don Drysdale. <laughs> Easy how we can mix those two up. <laughs> this is what Similar. I get for writing my guesses down ahead of time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I will just. I'm going to tell you, uh, Hyunjin Ryu, who had a, uh, seven scoreless innings the day before that 2018 LDS. He had a 77. Mm-hmm. That's t- tied for 29th. Uh, but yeah, Don Drysdale was the answer. Um, now. For a bonus, uh, can you uh, tell me what World Series this was in? Man, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it was Game Three against the Yankees in 1963. Okay, um, the would have been my second guess, but I would have been straight guessing. That's probably their. Well, it, yeah, it's clearly their like most impressive like. World Series performance. They they swept the mighty Yankees in four games, um, and that was the closest game of all. Um, that was at Dodger Stadium. Koufax had two wins in that one game, one in game four, but that was the closest game. He struck out nine, gave up three hits and a walk, so 89, the best game score in Dodgers postseason history. Sounds great. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> that I not read my uh... – because I was basically going most recent to older, yeah, and then you rolled yeah. it out with the it was a complete game thing. So uh, wait, did right. I did I say? Oh, I did that. Yeah, I did. you did do that. Yeah, I always <laughs> listen for the context clues. <laughs> I got to take what I can get. Uh, Dodgers rewind. Yep. Um, so this last like week or so, I don't remember the exact date of this first one, but uh, it's been a rough one for like um, former Dodgers uh, dying, uh, basically. 
we had uh, Lou Johnson, uh, Sweet Lou Johnson, uh, died on Thursday. Uh, he was 86. Uh, he had a home run to win Game Seven in that that uh, Kofax shutout in 1965. Um, Ron Paranowski, who was a relief ace for the Dodgers in the 60s, and then also uh, a pitching coach for 14 years, uh, which is still tied uh, for the longest tenured pitching coach in Dodgers history. One of their more, you know, one of their more influential, like just people in the organization organization ever uh he died on friday i this is like inconsequential but i i sort of am tickled a little bit that he uh i believe the for the note from the team said he died at his vero beach home and i was like oh that's sweet like you know played all those years like going to spring training in vero beach like rick monday i believe still lives in vero beach and uh in the off season and like, I believe he, just, he was in an RV. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. No, no, but that I, was, that was the during joke, the season. joke. Oh yeah. yeah, joke. yeah. <laughs> in a van. Uh, so yeah, like I just thought that was, that was kind of, that was a nice little touch, but the other one that the first person who passed away in uh, over the last week and I sort of, uh, I, I didn't, like it, it didn't slip under the radar. I just haven't had a chance much to talk about it. So that's why I made him the Dodger Rewind. Jay Johnstone um, passed away um, this uh, about a week ago. And I know I have to ask you, like, Johnstone, he was, he played like a little when I was watching, but like very little. But um, he was before your time. Is there anything you particularly like when I say Jay Johnstone? Is there anything that stood out to you that you remembered at all? Uh, no. Okay. So like in some ways, like obviously, you know, played baseball a long time. That's an accomplishment to me. I always knew him as like a prankster. Like he, so I started watching in 84 uh, and then 85 was like my first full year. He came back to the Dodgers that year, barely played. Um, But so I didn't, he wasn't like on my radar as like a player because he was like at the end of his career, but I knew of him as a jokester like a, a just world-class baseball prankster. And then a few years later, he was in Naked Gun. Um, he was the leadoff hitter for the Mariners in the baseball game, which is like just one of the my favorite movie sequences of all time, that it just entire baseball game is so great. He, he takes the three strikes. Um, and then as Frank Drebin like slowly like enjoys calling strikes more and more, it's just one of the greater things ever. But um, – uh, so I'm going to read this. This is from the LA Times the other day. Uh, Jerry Royce sort of recounted one of these pranks that he pulled on Tommy Lasorda. And this is just quoting uh, from Jerry Royce. Um, In the spring of 1981, Jay, who had just seen the movie Private Benjamin, wanted to play a prank on Tommy Lasorda. Jay, who stayed on the base at Dodgertown, managed to secure a key to the manager's room on campus that was shared by Tom and his wife, Joe. One morning, Jay approached me with a story that stopped me in my tracks. You're not going to believe what I just did to our manager's room. I put dye in the showerhead, parenthetical notation, inspired, no doubt, by the movie, um, removed the carbon mouthpiece of the phone so he can't call out, put a nail in his window so that it only opened a few inches, and tonight I plan to tie a rope from his doorknob to the palm tree in the front of his room so he can't open it. He gleefully chuckled. Uh, surprised, all I could do was laugh, but a thought occurred to me. Jay, I'm impressed with the plan. One thing, though, I mentioned. What's that? He replied. Tom takes his after-workout showers in the bathroom of his office. His wife, Joe, I assume, she showers in the room. 
Now that might be a problem. Jay paused. I didn't think of that, he said, as he ran from the field. Jay somehow managed to re-enter the room and remove the dye from the shower head, undetected a second time. His plan worked to perfection. Around 7 a.m., maintenance workers heard Lasorda's screams <laughs> and were able to liberate him from his makeshift prison. To this day, I'm not aware if Tommy Lasorda knows the identity of the perpetrator. Now, this was Jerry Royce like this last week. I'm certain Lasorda knew who it was because I think this story has been brought up so many times that, like, <laughs> uh, like I think he clearly knew. But that's like that's a classic baseball prank, right? Like, mm -hmm. there's elements of like, all right, th this it might be sociopathic behavior, but like uh, on some level, but, uh, as an old time baseball story, pretty fun. But also, he was important, like baseball wise. Um, in 1981, the Dodgers, they lost the first two games against the Yankees. They ended up winning the last four. But, like, they did so in pretty, like, dramatic fashion. Game four, um, they were down 6-3 uh, in the sixth. He had a two-run pinch hit homer. They won that game 8-7. to seven. The next day, he wasn't a part of the comeback, but, like, that was a Royce versus uh, Ron Guidry game. And it was uh, Steve Yeager and Pedro Guerrero hit back-to-back -back home runs to win it. And that, like, put him on the path to sort of win the championship. But... Uh, with the Phillies in 1976, um, Jay Johnstone was seven for nine with a double and a triple in the NLCS. The Phillies got swept, but he was pretty awesome. In his career, he was 10 for 21 uh, in the postseason. There was another moment um, in a 1981 game. Another Jerry Royce, also a great prankster, and and then ultimately like a better uh, player uh, for his like two decades or whatever, but. Um, um, Johnstone and Royce uh, dragged the infield with the ground screw. They dressed up and everything. Uh, it was a game at Dodger Stadium, Dodgers Pirates. And then Lasorda was like so mad. He's like, Johnstone, get in there and pinch hit. And like Johnson was like still getting back into his uniform. He's like, fine. He goes up and hits a homer as a pinch hitter. Uh, so that was Jay Johnstone, uh, just a truly baseball character. I guess he has, I believe, two books that are really good. I think Jay Jaffe wrote a little bit about it. Um, I have not read those, but I, I plan to at some point because he, I'm sure he had like a ton of baseball stories to tell. Now, mm. related to Jay Johnstone, I have another trivia question for oh, you. Good. So in game three of the 1976 NLCS, Jay Johnstone singled, doubled, and tripled. So he was a home run shy of the cycle. He's one of 29 players in MLB history with a single, double, and triple in a postseason game. One of those, only one, Brock Holt. Uh, two years ago in the ALDS for the Red Sox, he had he had the only cycle in postseason history. Now there are three Dodgers with a double or a single double and triple in a playoff game. Can you name any of the three? It's really interesting to me that there's only been one postseason cycle. You think you would? You know, it's not super duper rare. I wonder if it's if it's like there are less. I'm just doing this for the cycle triples. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I got. Um, yeah, I guess that's true. You, you, you got. You really got to get the triple early. Yeah. <laughs> General or you know there have been a few where it's like, well, we're playing for nothing else. I'm gonna leg this out and hope they the throw's bad. Um. Okay. I'm done stalling. Uh. Um. Jackie Robinson. Uh. No. I will give you a hint. Um. No. You. You. You saw one of these, no doubt. Um and that the, doesn't help. <laughs> the, the first the first one was 1985. So Ooh, wow, uh, no, really? Yeah. That's really interesting to me. I have to cross yeah. the names off my list. And and when I I will tell these, you won't get this because when I when I saw, it, I was like, huh, like really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, oh no! Yeah, <laughs> I'm literally crossing off almost every name on my list. I, 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 I just associate triples. I always go older. I, you know, it seems yeah. like a rarer feat these days. That's that's. I mean, I guess the inverse of that is there's more playoff games nowadays. I, I'll, I'll give you a further hint. The most recent one was the 2013 NLDS. Okay. You were making me worried that like I was going to have to really think of like last season this happened. I'm just completely No. Joking. Yeah, yeah. Um okay, so literally the only name post 1985 I have on my list was Rafael Fercal. Oh, that would have been a good one, but yeah, wasn't around in 2013 uh with yeah, the Dodgers. Right. I was but yeah. I meant earlier. So um, the Okay, go ahead. You have another uh, one? No, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> so the first one that I that I saw on here, Mariano Duncan, okay. game uh, game six of the NLCS against the Cardinals, uh, which the Dodgers led five four in the ninth, and I don't remember how it ended. Um, and then Mike Marshall in game five of the NLCS, which was a Monday morning game, a nine a.m. Pacific start. <laughs> Because it was in New York, and so I was at school. That's why I missed it. Uh, Dodgers won that game. Um, but the one that was most recent that mm. you would have seen, Hanley Ramirez. Okay. Who uh, had a just a killer series against the Braves and then went into the uh, NLCS, and everybody's hero, Joe Kelly, broke his ribs <laughs> with a fastball and uh, sort of decimated the Dodgers. Was that, uh, was that our point. first True Blue LA podcast uh playoff year yes. it might have been yeah, yeah because well they didn't make it in 12 or 11 and i think we started this like either 2012 or early yeah. 2013 no, so I, yeah and i remember that because um i didn't get to watch a lot of that car of that playoffs g- generally because i was like traveling nonstop for work i remember being mm. i think in philadelphia like doing a podcast on my phone with you and like huh. nowhere near a TV that I could watch it just because of work stuff, but still dedicated to the craft. I will just assume that you, the triple happened when you were in route. Yeah, and then that, uh, that, that's why, that's why I, I would have easily gotten this without it. Well, to be honest, I, I was, I had no clue. And I, when I saw, I was like, huh, okay, I guess that happened. Like, sure. Like, why not? All right. It's time for the following advertisement is paid for by the QFC super PAC. Every week, Jacob and Eric get questions from Craig, but we have questions of our own. Why do they need Craig to ask questions at all? Why can't they come up with their own questions? Are they even really Dodger fans? Is there anything true about True Blue LA? I'm Craig, and I approve this message. I'm really proud that we're 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 running through this quick. I was f- for sure that recapping one quote unquote series previewing another uh and we would be we'd be at the two hour mark and just getting the questions from craig but here i i I also thought that and then but also i know uh any any glee you think i might have gotten from your trivia you're gonna return it because i saw the first question and i'm gonna tank this so bad okay i have to actually i'm gonna have to check various emails because i don't think i got the answers um, <laughs> in the appropriate fashion so i will uh work on that while you uh while you stall for your own sake um eric can you name the top three dodgers in these categories in divisional series play runs hits and home runs hint one current dodger is in all three of these top threes okay so the one thing i know for certain uh, is that just 
all postseason wide, uh, Justin Turner is like at the top of most categories. You know, he doesn't quite have home runs, but he's like the all-time Dodger postseason leader in hits, RBIs, doubles. Sort of the Uh, Eric Harris effect. Yeah, and so – but also he's been really good. So Justin Turner is my answer for the, uh, all the top threes. Um, now it, it really has to be somewhat, uh, I think just because look, they, they've only, uh, in the, the division series itself, they had that long stretch where they barely made the playoffs, uh, after 88. Uh, and so, it was 95, 96, 04, 06, and then 08, 09 before this current run. So, like, it's it's almost certainly, like, mostly um, modern guys or, or, like, current-ish mm-hmm. guys. So I have to say, um, man, I think uh, I think Yasiel Puig would be on here. Okay. I need um, to under which one or ones. Uh, okay. So I, th- I think he'd be, I think he's under hits and runs. Okay. Um, you're, you're right. Okay. So, well, and it's also because, answers, by the way, also because I think unless Turner passed him the last, this last week, Puig is also the all time Dodger leader in games played postseason games played, uh, which Turner is did what? awesome. Yeah. Oh, and that which is just wild, right? Like, uh, I because I remember when he when he saw when he, he almost signed with the Braves, I put up a post and I think I tweeted it out as Dodgers all time postseason leader or leader in postseason games played signs elsewhere. Everyone's like, what? Like, uh, but anyway, um, so okay, um, now I just because it, it, it I also it let you know real quick, you were right about Justin Turner. Oh, nice. Okay, not, not surprising, but. Um, so I think, because, oh man, I, I want to say, I want to say Matt Kemp for home runs. Nope. Hmm. What about, hmm. See, Hanley was only 13 and 14 and like, he was awesome. But was it enough? Like, um, I would be very surprised if you're going to get the ru- the other runs scored player. I'll let you know that right now. All um, right, but maybe you maybe would surprise me. Uh, yeah. So, what about Ethier on on hits? Nope. Okay. I'm going to give you one name because la- you have you have. All right, let's. I'm going to give you one more guess. Two more guesses on each, but you got to go quick. Runs sure. scored. You have Justin Turner, who will let you know leads with thirteen runs scored, and yeah. you have Yasiel Puig, who has eleven. So you're missing the third place, who has nine. Nine. Um, again, I'm going to be surprised if you get it. Huh. Um. Okay. Yeah, this is bad. Um. Yeah, I, I'm. I, Chris Taylor. Nope. All right. Yeah, I don't know. Carl Crawford. I, I, no, oh, nice. <laughs> Wait, is he? Uh, would he also be on home runs because he went off that uh, in 2013? Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, he is. Uh, so for fourth place, there's a bunch of people tied, and he's one of yeah. the people in fourth place. Yeah. Well, right. you can give me the other ones because I'm not going to get them. Um, well, there is one name that is on both the hits and home runs number. Hmm. Okay. If that helps or not. Oh, let me think. Um, 
he would be a very uh, notable player in this the, the Padres Dodgers series about to start. Is it Grandal? No way. I was going to say uh, <laughs> another I, I, very famous former Padre, former. Dodger. Oh, Adrian Gonzalez. There you go. Yeah. So that I just forget, leaves. Forget how long he was on. Like, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to see if I can get you to get this one because I like this one because in home runs, you got uh, Justin Turner and Adrian Gonzalez who are tied for second. You were missing the leader in home runs with the Dodgers. And <sighs> OK. Um, <laughs> and I will say it is a current Dodger. A current Dodger. Wow. Um, okay, so. Who is the only good oh, hitter for the Dodgers oh, last year? <laughs> I was going to say Max Muncy. There you then. go. <laughs> wow. What is it, four? Five, five, five for Max and then four for. That, um, that's Justin impressive because it's only two for him. Yeah. Like, no, it's, it's yeah. impressive. Wow. All right. Nice. Um, I like that question. No, that was good. Playoff wager con. Oh, no. Wait. I've, I've been, I'm, I'm ahead. I'm playing with house money here. Yeah. Which series will produce more total home runs? Astros at A's at Dodger Stadium or Padres and Dodgers at Globe Life Field? Uh, so there, there's a couple things here. Now, you know, one, I think Dodgers and Padres are better home run hitters. Mm -hmm. But also, what if the series goes three or four mm -hmm. and the other one goes five? Um, I think... I think Dodgers Padres will will have more than Astros A's. And I think a decent chance of going longer as much as I would rather not have that happen. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it will depend on on their starting pitching health, obviously. Yeah. Both not only do they make the roster, but are they actually healthy or are they doing that sort of gambit thing? So what are, are you also going Dodgers Padres? I am. Okay. Um, I over. I I think the A's sweep the Astros. That's probably a, <laughs> some desire bias there, but I don't care. There's uh yeah, America's team, the A's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was another thing. So he, the tw poor Twins, man, they've lost 18 straight playoff games. Uh, they got swept by the Astros, and then Carlos Correa was like, "Yeah, well, we won, and now what are you going to say?" It's like, <laughs> yeah, still the same that you cheated. Like that's like, I, I it was just they're they're astonishing um anyway um so, so we both picked that so we're both gonna be right obviously well how about this what if we expanded it to all four series are you still going padres dodgers no because another thing to remember another thing I, I, I to keep in mind Yankees here uh, is, is are any of the team other teams pitching that bad <laughs> that's well, just going to give up I, a bunch of taters the Marlins, like the, and the, the Braves. Braves, hit a lot of home yeah. runs, and that yeah. So, like, I think I okay. Let's. I'm gonna do an order, and then we'll see if we'll do it that way. So my order is Yankees, Rays, um, Dodgers, Padres, um, Braves, Marlins, and then um, A's, Astros. I'm gonna go Braves, Marlins. Nice. Dodgers, Padres, Yankees, Rays, Astros, A's. So our basic thing is our, our bet is really here. I think that the Rays and the yeah. Yankees will have more than the Rays and Marlins. You yeah, think so the there we go. That's nice. the bet. Nice. I like it. They'll tie. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you think the lack of opposing teams' fans will make any difference in how pitchers, particularly younger ones, perform in the post this postseason? I mean, I guess uh, sort of, but like, I don't know if it's like. And hey, who says they won't be there? <laughs> right. Oh, Texas. right. Uh, so, but Whoa. not so for for this like for this series, there's no fans. But for the what if NLCS Clayton Kershaw just buys every single of huh. the eighteen thousand tickets for all the games? Yeah, and brings all his, uh, all his home, all his family. They're gonna. It's gonna be weird. Like how? So I believe the number. Uh, what is it? It's eleven thousand five hundred. Okay. Which is like twenty eight percent of capacity, and they're gonna do it where it's like I think they're. The seats are in like pods of four, basically almost in and 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 socially distanced or whatever. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think there's still pressure in these games, like because we even some of the rallies, like in the the Padres uh, Cardinal series, like pitchers are still melting down even with no fans. So and and also White Sox A's had some craziness a couple days. So uh, it, it affects it, but I, I don't think. I um, there's still going to be meltdowns, basically. Fourth question: I noticed today that Albert Pujols' career batting average is listed at 299. After his last season in St. Louis, Pujols was hitting 328 with an OPS over one in over 6,000 at bats. His stat line for the Angels in his nine seasons there, nine seasons. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, I'm, I feel old. Uh, is 257, 312, 448, and over 4,500 at-bats, uh, plus only one playoff appearance as an Angel. How do you think the second half of his career uh, impacts how Pujols' career is viewed, um, if at all? I think one interesting thing uh, there is that because they haven't been making the playoffs and they play on sort of, uh, don't yell at me, Angels fan, but sort of a non-marquee West Coast team, is kind of just forgotten as opposed to a besmirchment, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, and like, I, I think, um, like I was just shocked that he's played nine in Anaheim. It, like it, it, it is kind of amazing that it's, it's run out that long. Like he only, next year is the last year. In his yeah. And I, like I knew, knew all that, but it just didn't feel like nine to me. Albert Pujols is the great Cardinals hitter and it wasn't that long ago, but here so, we are. So just to, to give you an idea, like, his last five years uh, total, uh, he's totaled baseball reference wise zero uh, point seven WAR. So like he's he's been basically replacement level you know, for five years. Now a couple years he was over, but uh, one one year was terrible. He was played all the time and he was bad, and he was under. But like that's like that's that said, generally like I don't. He's like clearly so very clearly inner circle type hall of famer clearly first ballot yep and like look i like i don't know i just he just was he just wasn't that good the last couple years but still like you're gonna look i think people are gonna be more amazed by um his b and you know yeah but but also like the like look at the totals like right he's he's fifth in home runs he's third in rbis like he's like in the top 10 of like all these categories uh i think he's fifth in doubles and like so like you know obviously at a certain point it's compiling but like just to be able to uh, amass that grade of total even obviously played in a home run era and all this but still incredible like just total numbers but yeah uh he's not as good as he once was but like nobody really could have been 
and that that's why it's funny like because you look now mike trout had he's had eight eight great years this year you know so he was on his way to a ninth i think his defensive numbers were a little down so it wasn't as ostentatious as it usually is maybe it would have played out that way over a full season who knows but like it's funny you look back and it's like yeah pools was almost there like in his first eight years right like uh he was awesome like uh just so so good and so like he's he's i don't think it's gonna tarnish him long term i think the more removed you get from it the more you're like wow what a great hitter rather than Wow, he was bad at the like. Right now, he's not very good, but like I think still he's going to be remembered for his greatness and not what he's doing now. Yeah, completely agree. Eric, do you remember the first time you had a California or San Diego burrito with fries and carne asada? And for both of you, how do you feel about fries being an ingredient in sandwiches or burritos? So I don't remember it because I've never had any any French fries in a burrito. Uh, I don't like it. Um, <laughs> the, the idea of it sickens me. Um, now I've had, um, carne asada fries before, like at, uh, a few Mexican restaurants, but like maybe two times total in my life, because in, if I'm in the mood for something like that, it's going to be at like a, a Mexican restaurant, like a little, it most likely a Mexican, like drive through slash takeout place that I'm grabbing, uh, from, and they're going to also have on their menu carne asada nachos, and I would much rather have that. Uh, that'd be the delivery than the fries because just the sogginess of it, uh, the chips are much better uh, for that. And just generally, it's not what I'm looking for in a burrito. I guess I, I also am not big on, like, potatoes in burritos, just generally. Like, I know, like, maybe some maybe a breakfast burrito is different. You could you can throw a, a little bit of potato in there, but that's just not my jam. If I'm just I'm, I'd rather just have more carne asada than have any French fries in there at all. Um, generally, uh, I haven't had one, um, and for, so I'm going to speak more towards fries and sandwiches. Not a not a giant fan, just because that I think you should be getting the saltiness from something else, and that sort of texture to me is what the bread or um, already brings. Alternatively, I love potato chips and sandwiches. chips uh, i could see that I, I haven't really done that a ton oh uh, some ruffles on a, like a um a philippe philippe's uh french dip oh, it's delicious nice um now if i were ever to go to pittsburgh i would certainly get a primanti brothers or whatever uh, that has fries in there and would eat that up happily and just to try it and say i did and then go. Why do people do this? <laughs> no, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm just just not a fan. I like the fries for what they are, aside, uh, and I don't like like just sort of combining it all. I guess so. It's, I, I just never have been into that. Well, huh. I want to. I want a French dip. Unfortunately, I uh, <laughs> I live nowhere near downtown LA. I live I live relatively close to the Hat. I could drive by one and mm. take a picture of it for you if you want. <laughs> and then on my way home, I'll stop and get carne asada nachos and go. Ha! Huh, didn't even get fries. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, well, uh, yeah, well, this will be out uh, before game one. Uh, enjoy the NLDS. We'll be back uh, after the series to either talk about uh, the end of the season or the NLDS review slash NLCS preview. So thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, We will talk to you next week.